Welcome to our latest episode of the podcast. Today, we are thrilled to have a very special guest joining us, Falu Shah. Falu is a Grammy-winning artist who has been hailed as one of the most influential musicians of her generation. Her unique sound blends traditional Indian music with contemporary pop, creating a style that is both innovative and accessible. She has collaborated with some of the biggest names in music, from Yo-Yo Ma to Wycliffe Sean, and has performed at venues all over the world. She has also used her platform as an artist to promote social causes, working with non-profit organizations to support education, health, and human rights initiatives. Wow, we are honored to have Falu on our podcast today. I'm so happy and thrilled. We can't wait to dive into her music, her career, and her vision for the future. So without further ado, let's welcome Falu Shah to the show. so nice of you to have me thank you for having me thank you so much for taking your time out and i know you have been very very busy and i follow you religiously on the social media every platform whether it's instagram or um, facebook or twitter anywhere you are amazing absolutely amazing Thank you so much. I feel the same about you. Thank you so much. It's an honor for me. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me there. I am really happy to speak with both of you. (laughs) Thank you so much. So let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about how you first got into music and what inspired you to pursue a career as a musician? Yes. So my mother is a musician. She's a singer. Mm -hmm. And music was sort of, you know, uh, everyday um vibrations in my house my mom sang she always practiced and then we had a little radio so radio would always be on and i was always listening to and listening to my mom sing and then she put me in a music class when i was three years old to start my training because she she felt like i i had pitch the you know just like when a child sings in pitch versus when a child doesn't sing in pitch and she found that I was able to sing in pitch. So I started my training pretty early on at three. And I, I was fortunate because I had really great ustads and great teachers. And, you know, it's one thing to want to learn, but it's one thing to be blessed by incredible teachers and gurus and ustads. And I learned from both a Hindu guru and a Muslim guru. So I have adopted both trainings in my music and I feel like music has no boundaries and it transcends between one human soul to another and it it goes freely back and forth and this is one language that we can all speak without any any boundaries and with just love so my training started very early on with uh, great teachers my first teacher was Komudi Munshi she was from Banaras Gharana she taught me Thumri, Dadra, Chaiti, Kajri, Horis. And then I learned the classical music from Ustad Sultan Khansab and also Srimati Kishori Amonkar. And then a little bit of a light, light music training from Uday Mazumdar. So these are my four teachers and I owe everything. I give everything that I have to my teachers. I offer them. That's really interesting. So your music combines traditional Indian music with temporary pop. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you develop this unique sound and what inspires you when you're creating new music? So 
you know, as your father also knows, and I also know that when you grow up in Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, music is everyday life for us. It's a way of life. If a child is born, we have music. If there is a death in a family, we have music. If there's a marriage, we have music, right? So it's it's what we we breathe. And having grown up in a great civilization, in a great culture, I always wanted to maintain that and actually grow it, not just maintain, learn, but actually pass it on to the next generation. And when I got an opportunity to come to America, this this is also a great land of great music. And Absolutely. it would be very foolish of me not to learn Western music. So I went to uh, great teachers here and, and also a little bit for, yeah, I went for, to Berkeley for a little time. And I sang uh, Western music and I learned composition, songwriting and arrangement and the craft, song craft. So I blended both because I felt like Indian music is melodic based, but American Western music is harmony based. So if I could bring both without disturbing their own identities, without ever like making something impure, keeping their purity, but drawing freely as I find aesthetically beauty. Um, I started doing English songs in ragas based on melodic scales. And that sort of worked. And it became a genre that was created called Indie Hindi. Wow. And we have, I've done, all the albums have that. And it's doing like, you know, like I go on tour now, I do shows and people are trying to now understand that we can have our ancient traditions, but at the same time, we can adopt American and Western music and it becomes a beautiful melting pot wow. of all of these cultures together. Wow. Very well said. Before I talk about your latest album, Falu's Bazaar, I want to ask one thing that since we people who belong to the subcontinent like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, all these countries, we are like most of the classical trained musicians are from gharanas like uh, Patiala and uh, uh, Gawaliar and all these gharanas. So mm -hmm. do you belong to any gharana or you just, you are the only person who got into music in your family? How, I mean, how did you come into classical, Eastern classical music? Well, because my mother is a classical singer. Oh, so okay. So she, she is a sing classical singer. She was trained. She did her bachelor's in mu music. So I do belong to a gharana actually three of them for Tumri, Dadra, Chaiti, Hori. I belong to Banaras Gharana, wow. which, is, which comes from Sideshwari Devi and okay. the Tumri queen. That's we, we consider her a Tumri queen in wow. India. Okay. And for classical, I learned two. One is Indore Gharana, Ustad Amir Khansab, mm -hmm. uh, coming down to Ustad Sultan Khansab and then me, and then his also his other disciples. And then I also learned from Jaipur Gharana, through Kishori Amunkar. So I have, I sort of wanted to learn mm -hmm. and not be just limited to one. Right. And sort of get, I'm, I'm always hungry for something that I can adopt, I can learn. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Right. But I'm not afraid of failures. So I try to kind of do an experiential music 
mm-hmm. style rather than experimental. It's right. more ex- if I feel that it really touches my soul, then I do it. Very nice. And nice. if I feel like it's it's okay, it's not really doing anything, I let it go. Oh. Right. And sometimes the audience agrees with me. Sometimes it doesn't. So it's pretty organic. And uh, yes, is. I do belong to Gharanas. And I had I've trained very, very intensely by all my teachers. Wow. I did Chilla, Chilla, which is a tradition where you sing one scale. If you do Ragyaman, you do Ragyaman from sunrise to sunset. Oh my Non-stop. God. That's very, very like <laughs> rigid. Very rigid. Yeah. yeah. So I I used to do 16 hours of practice continuous. Wow. And then chillas were 12 hours for, for 40 days nonstop. Wow. wow. So during those, during the time when you're doing chilla for 40 days, mm-hmm. you sort of eat the same food. You have two pairs of clothes that you wash and you wear, you wash and you wear. Right. Basically, repetition is the key. Right. right. If you're doing dal chawal, you only eat dal chawal. Absolutely. You don't go and then eat lamb biryani or chicken. SNA, nothing right. like that. Very if nice. dal chawal is what you your your best food for your for your practice for your soul, that's what you stick to for forty days. Imagine eating the same food for forty days. It kind of it's hard. It is. It is. Let's it's talk about uh, yeah. Let's talk about your latest album, Falu's Bazaar. You collaborated with Yo Yo Ma and Wycliffe Sean. So how did these collaborations come about? How did you so yeah. right right. So my latest album is A Colorful World. Before that was Falu's Bazaar. Mm-hmm. And the collaborations have happened throughout. Uh, so Yo-Yo Ma was my first collaboration in America. Wow. Um, I came to Boston to learn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was 20, 21 years old, very, very young and really not experienced. No, exp- I didn't You're know still anybody. still young. Come on. <laughs> Meaning... <laughs> Like clueless. Oh, okay, okay, right. I think the right word should be clueless. Yeah, right. And completely FOB, fresh of boat. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up in a small club in Boston singing okay. wherever, you know, at, at this point, you're finding gigs wherever you can. Mm-hmm. And one, maybe one or two shows, somebody must have seen me mm-hmm. singing. Right. And, and then I next thing I know, I got a call from his musician to see if I would go and sing for him mm-hmm. and then potentially join this tour for Silk Road Project. So, yes, I I just, <laughs> I was fearless. I went and I did my ragas that I know really, really well. And he said, yes, that's it. And then I did some concerts with him in Salem, Massachusetts. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the first break and journey started with Yo-Yo Ma. Wow. Your music has taken you to some incredible places and introduced you to many influential people. For example, you have had the opportunity to meet with both the Indian Prime Minister and Australian Prime Minister. Can you tell us about those experiences and how they have influenced your music and perspective on the world? That's a great question. We really want to know that how you you were there with the two Prime Ministers of the world. I mean, it was amazing to see you there. Oh, thank you so much. So, yeah, I think when I went to India, I met with the prime minister and we were talking about the power of music and he's a visionary. So he said to me, write a song on millets and try to promote this song so you can help end hunger worldwide. So that was the cause of doing my my latest single that's released. But 
in that he then he asked me to come down to india mm-hmm. where this cricket match was being played yeah. between australia and india and both prime ministers were attending the match wow. and it was the opening day and you know first they came and inaugurated and everything and then they wanted me to do this this medley for 7 8 minutes Amazing. in their stadium and it is one of the largest stadiums in india for cricket Um, I think we had more than hundred twenty-five thousand people there, wow. and everyone's cheering. And something that music and sports do is they bring people together. And it was so nice to see both prime ministers high-fiving to each other. <laughs> wow! <laughs> There was a sixer wow. or not a sixer. No matter which team was doing a sixer, or no matter which team was you know getting the cricketers were getting out. Yeah, there was this. spirit of oneness that wow. we are all one and we are all humans and we are enjoying this beautiful game of cricket exactly and we are unifying our countries and we are giving each other so much love and i think music added a spice to wow. that whole experience so absolutely we have two countries sharing all this love for sports but at the same time music adding spice and really making the whole thing very festive Absolutely. So we, then he, you know, it was the women's. It was March ninth, which was the women's International Women's Day. Wow. So they had to do this thing: uh, V for women, V for victory. Yeah, exactly. V for women, right? So they were, they were like, they were like, okay, what do we do? What do we do here? So <laughs> I, being the woman, I was teaching them: V for victory, W for women, victory for women. Very nice. <laughs> very nice. It was, it was like the sweetest thing because you know these prime ministers, they're like. What what do I do? What do I do? And I'm here like teaching them how to yeah. do this, and it was so fun. It was really like a experience that I will never forget in my life. Right, right. It was such an honor for you, just like it's an honor for us to know you. Oh, you're so kind. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I feel very honored that I know you guys. Thank you so much. You have also worked as a music educator, teaching Indian classical music to students of all ages. How has teaching influenced your own music, and what have you learned from your students? What a great question, coming from a student. <laughs> <laughs> so I am a lifelong student. I have always t- told myself and behaved that there is so much to learn. The world is like an ocean, and the deeper you go, the more you realize that you don't know anything. Right. So. this is my motto i don't i i don't think i know even one bit of what i can know so i'm always eager to learn and education is a way of giving back to the younger generation to the you know to the next future the the kids and i have a child too who is 12 years old and every time he asks me a question i it's so meaningful because i don't think i have thought from that perspective so i learn when i teach and i never want to stop learning Absolutely. even with my students when i'm interacting with them they might have some questions that are so amazing that i have never maybe i didn't think about it and maybe i have to figure out how to go through this theory and tell them how this works so it's innovative it's uh, it gives you a lot of uh, thinking power and it brings you with this beautiful energy of young children that is so uh it's positive and it's uplifting so i always surround myself with kids and i love to educate and learn from them as well while i teach absolutely learning is an ongoing process which never stops very yeah. well said exactly 
Okay, your music often incorporates elements of social and a little political commentary. How do you use your platform as an artist to address these issues? And what do you hope to achieve through your music? That's a very important question. So, you know, you and, bo- you and I both know that musicians are blessed. They are. Right? Absolutely. We are. We, I would think that we're special now. Some people might not agree. Yes, I totally agree. I can relate to this thing. (laughs) (laughs) I really think we are a different soul. Yeah. (laughs) We see the world in a very different way. And I'm not saying good or bad. Mm -hmm. We just see it in a very different way. Different way. way. Yes, true. And I think music for us means expressing in the most purest way. Purest. Absolutely. It comes right from your heart and soul. There is no filter. Yeah. When we do music, we can say everything and anything without thinking of how this person is going to feel, how this is going to be received, because it's just ah. What? How can I do filter in this? Beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) You're such you're such melodic person. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a pure form of expression. And why do I do music? Because that's the only thing I want to live for. The minute, God forbid, the minute I cannot sing, I don't want to live anymore. Wow. This is a true sign of a true musician that they really want to live for the music and not for the fame or fortune or anything. That's a secondhand thing. Yeah. I mean, if your music is good, things will follow. But I'm not going to base success and then write music yeah exactly you know if if it is good and if it appeals with people it'll come definitely your music is good that's why it touches everyone's heart thank you you're welcome yours too imran thank you you have performed at venues all over the world what have been some of your most memorable experiences as a live performer and how do you connect with your audience during your shows this is going to be a long answer. Ready? Yeah, please elaborate. <laughs> so, you know, for for musicians, as your father might agree with me, live energy, live performance, and f- making that audience feel what you feel is the most gifted, precious element that we get, right? Absolutely. When you give, Absolutely. you get more love. When you do music, you get more joy. When you share this, you get more. So the energy that live concerts give you is something you cannot experience anywhere else in a studio or in a tour bus or anywhere. Absolutely. There's, totally there agree. Nothing, there is nothing like human be, human energies exchanged yes. between an audience and a musician. And everybody who does live music only does it because of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want your audience to feel and just get carried away with and get you connected you go. And get connected as well. Yes. Yeah, one soul to other. Music is such that a soul sings and a soul hears. There Absolutely. is nothing else, right? So my best experiences were, you will not believe, most the, something that I will think when I'm dying mm-hmm. are three mainly three mm-hmm. so first obviously when i was singing for the two pres the two leaders world leaders yeah. one was president obama at the white house wow and the second was prime minister modi at the wow. narendra modi stadium wow. so these obviously these were like, these were absolutely something that are 
I will never forget. Yeah, absolutely. Second was at Carnegie Hall when oh, I first debuted. Awesome, awesome. Wow. And sold out Carnegie Hall. That was, you know, for an immigrant, a South Asian minority woman who immigrated to this country, selling out Carnegie Hall meant that your story was heard. Oh my God, that's that's a huge achievement and you are blessed. You are absolutely yeah, I, blessed. I do feel that too. Yeah. And the third one was in a prison, maximum security prison for wow. men. It's called uh, Sing Sing and it's in upstate New York. Oh. And we had 400 inmates. Oh my God. And this is gruesome crimes. This is not petty thefts. It's it's murders. Oh. It's, it's ex- extremely most criminal natured mm-hmm. where where the highest highest crimes have been committed right. yeah. people are in this prison and music is so powerful wow. that when you sing and when they listen this 400 inmates they now now imagine they cannot move right wow. they are in they are in they are sitting yeah. and they're not able to stand up and dance with you. Right? Yeah, they're like they just, in the shackles maybe or they are confined in one place. They are not in the shackles, but they sit in one place. And oh, okay. the only things that they can do is their heart can dance with you. Wow. But wow. they cannot move, right? So right. when you take music to a facility where there is otherwise no live performances and when they give you that feedback of, when you sing, Goddess Saraswati comes and appears in front of us. Absolutely. And that's where you are taking us out of this place, out of this facility and into somewhere that we can't access. You are spiritually connected to the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. And that spiritual uh, experience. And also, I also teach in prisons through wow. my social justice work at Carnegie Hall. So I go to maximum security men's prisons, right. Rikers Island, which is a women's prison. And right. we write lullabies with young mothers wow. who are teenagers, 17, 18, mm-hmm. and they don't know how to bond with their child. So we write lori, lullaby, to bond the mom and the baby. Wow. So we perform there as well to give them this beautiful lullabies that they can then sing to their children and then the children can take away when they leave prison because moms are still in prison and children are separated right they go to foster home so what do they take from their mom is this only the song that we wrote absolutely that's the mother's voice is the only thing they go that goes with the child and this is so meaningful to me with the social justice work that I've done exactly. for 15 years and now with this new song, Millets, right. Abundance in Millets, which is also to end hunger by yeah. promoting Millets everywhere. Wow. So music for a cause is very important to me. Your music has been praised for its ability to bring together people from different cultures and backgrounds. How do you think, think, uh, how do you think Music can help promote understanding and unity between different communities. Oh, it is the only thing that can, I think. Mm-hmm. It is the biggest powerhouse. It is the biggest God's gift right. that we humans have received. It came from the birds. Again, God, the way the God gave us music is through Absolutely. the birds is Absolutely. what I learned. Right. And sound, the first sounds in the universe were mm-hmm. music. And when we embrace God's language, mm-hmm. the universal language of mm-hmm. love and the 12 notes. Right, right. Sometimes in our culture, 22 notes. Right. I think 
it is one language that no matter where you live you will understand and you will Absolutely. enjoy you will feel Absolutely. it is a language of feeling right and it has no boundaries Very so true. True. i feel like music is the greatest gift and the greatest greatest unifier Absolutely. for all humans for all lives for even when you sing it for plants yeah. they are they grow better yeah right when you're doing music for trees and plants even they like it so yes. if it can have this much shakti and exactly. power to to really reflect in our you know everyday living with plants animals birds humans yeah. even I like uh, for example when you're sitting at the beach and you hear the waves they are creating such a beautiful sound so music yeah. is everywhere i believe yeah absolutely music is everywhere we just have to listen yeah your song rabba was featured in the 2012 film the reluctant fundamentalist how did this opportunity come about and what was it like to have your music featured in a major motion picture you know <laughs> it was my first ever written song i have never written a song before rabba wow and and i was you know very very young a teenager when i wrote it and at that time you know rabba was mostly about finding your lover yeah not realizing that rabba can also be god, god right yeah. so right. the song is like a ghazal which is which has two meanings mm -hmm. it could be worldly it could be human and i feel like the melody is a little bit universal mm -hmm. so it that is what affected the the people who liked it and they took it and i mean really like coming in limelight like that for for bigger bigger uh, platforms like yeah that's an honor wow that gives uh, an instant publicity right. to your music so you know getting anywhere on a soundtrack be it tv be it movies it always gives you a lot of what happens is more people know about you and that's always good very nice very nice okay uh, you have been called a musical ambassador for indian culture what does this label mean to you and how do you hope to represent your culture through your music it's a lot of responsibility <laughs> yeah it's a big responsibility indeed <laughs> where you cannot mess up right yeah. so even in the this is the first time in the grammys that an asian woman is selected as a trustee entire asia not just india yeah so i feel that the responsibility on my shoulder is humongous because just even if you take bangladesh pakistan and india yeah. our population mm -hmm. is around 2 billion people yeah, right absolutely there, right and then you put in china and the southeast asia and all of those countries and here we're talking 3 4 million billion people yeah, yeah. so when you are representing a sole representation of that entire population there is nothing that you can say or do that has no impact right right so every word every act every every proposal every uh thing that somebody does mm -hmm. in that situation right has to be accountable right right and it has to represent everybody in the fairest way that i know mm -hmm. again i don't know everything but right from my experience of growing up in india in south asia and in asian being in asian culture surrounded yeah. 
by so many Asians in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very Im- important that I understand what the community needs mm-hmm. and I represent everyone with mm-hmm. the best of my abilities. Right, right. Awesome. You have worked with a number of nonprofit organizations, including the American India Foundation and the Global Fund for Children. You have performed at several benefit concerts to raise funds for these organizations. Additionally, you have been involved in several projects with the American India Foundation, including the Digital Equalizer Program, which provides technology and education to underprivileged children in India. How do you use your music to support these causes and what impact do you hope to have through your philanthropic work? I think everybody does music for different purposes, right? Very true. Some want to do some want to make money. Yeah. Some want to be famous, yeah. some want success, some want legacy. I want to give back. And there is only so much you can take from the universe. Wow. There comes a point in life where what is your legacy after you leave this world? Absolutely. And as musicians it's our huge responsibility to a make sure that our music is going to a good cause very true is making a difference in someone's life who basically might not have the means that we have living in america uh is touching a child's heart and making that person's life positive and giving an upliftment uh, a positive direction so they can try to live their dreams Very true. just like i was able to absolutely so philanthropy giving back and giving back to the underserved communities and in all over the world is something that i feel is is probably a responsibility in so many ratios in for so many of us right because how much can you really take right i mean we we do shows we do recordings or you know everybody listens to our music yes it's great but how how can you use that powerhouse that you have that god has given you Very to betterment of humanity absolutely you know even if a musician dies physically he leaves the world the music lives on forever and ever that's exactly. the beauty of music we have that power we have that power yeah we this is eternal it's eternal absolutely exactly. I don't think everybody is blessed with this power so people who have it should absolutely use it for the betterment of very, the very true for the positivity and betterment of the society and for the people in general very well absolutely. said what Thank are you. your plans for the future of your music career and what can fans expect from you in the coming years what a great question thank you for asking uh just this month we released a brand new single called abundance in millets This song was written along with me, Gaurav Shakinya Ari, Greg Gonzalez, and the Prime Minister of India, Mr. Narendra Modi. Wow! 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 That's huge! Oh my God! Um, the song "Abundance in Millets" is written with a cause and a goal in mind, which is to help end hunger worldwide by promoting. millets which is a super grain it is high in nutritional value it grows in low rainfall regions it is gluten free low diabetes and it's so healthy and holistic in nature so what we want to do is promote millets so that 
farmers, small farmers in countries where there is low rainfall, they can also grow and promote and export millets wow. so that their children and their families can go to sleep with a full stomach. With this song, even if one child or one family doesn't go to sleep hungry, mm -hmm. I think our motive, our cause has been, you know, serving the humanity, has yeah. been successful. Yeah, because yeah. with music, if a child is sleeping full stomach, I think that's a great, great thing that Absolutely. any musician can achieve. That's the because... biggest contribution you can give to the humanity. Yeah, because I've seen in India children not having food and picking from garbage and eating whatever people are throwing away. So that that really doesn't sit in with me. Mm. I don't want any child to sleep hungry ever. Wow. And if I can use this powerhouse of music along with the the pen and songwriting capacities of the prime minister and partnership with him will really lead and open more doors. Even the United Nations declared this year as the International Year of Millets. Right. So we're trying to promote and grow this grain everywhere in the world and end hunger. Yes, you have achieved that. If one person uh, doesn't go hungry, so you have like achieved your goal with that. Very well yes. said. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, before we wrap up, we wanted to ask you one final question. What advice do you have for aspiring musicians, the upcoming musicians who are trying to break into the industry, particularly those who come from underrepresented communities or from different parts of the world, and they really want to take a break in music? What advice do you have for them? You know, when I was growing up, I was bullied. And there was only one cushion I had, mm -hmm. which was music. Yeah. That's what embraced me with full arms. That's some music never told me how I was or how I could become or anything. It didn't judge me. And I feel people who are aspiring musicians mm -hmm. keep this cushion forever. Never let go. And if you feel that you have a future in music, mm -hmm. don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Mm -hmm. Right? So dream big and do not ever give up. Exactly. Ever. Very well said. So, That's great advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and your music with us. We can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you for having me. So nice to talk to you. That's it for today's episode of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and learned something new. If you want to keep up with our show, don't forget to subscribe on our favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It really helps us to reach new listeners. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to reach out to us on social media. We love hearing from our listeners. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on our latest podcast another uh, guest another podcast mm -hmm.